Good morning, Christ Covenant Church. As we see all the Christmas decorations around us, we know tis the season. As December dawns, most families, mine included, are very busy. We're busy putting up Christmas trees. We're busy purchasing Christmas gifts. We're busy making plans of all sorts. Those are all wonderful things. But if your family is anything like mine, these good things can easily squeeze out the best thing in this season. That is, nurturing in our hearts a longing for a fresh sense of the wonder of the birth of Jesus. This is why, starting from this Sunday, for the next four Sundays, we are in a new series, a series of Advent, which is named Responding to the Birth of Christ. Advent, the word coming from the Latin word Adventus, simply means coming. It is a season observed by Christian churches leading up to the Christmas day. It is also a time for Christians to remember the thousands of years God's people anticipated and waited for the coming of the Messiah. It is also a time for us to cultivate in our hearts an expectant waiting and preparation for the return of Jesus at his second coming. It is for the same reason this Advent season's theme is responding to the birth of Christ. I am preaching the first two Advent sermons since Pastor Brian is away, and he will preach the other two. Together, we are going to look at the historical account of four different people, different figures in the Bible. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Simeon, and Anna. From the stories of these four figures closely related to the birth of Jesus Christ, we are confronted with different reactions to the birth of our Lord. Clearly, some are better prepared than others to receive the advent of our Savior. In the Christmas carol, we just sang, Joy to the World. There's this famous line, Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. This is the goal of this Advent sermon series. By looking at different people's responses to the birth of Christ, we can better prepare our hearts to receive the king. In this first week of Advent, we're going to look at the story of Zechariah. In some translations, the name is translated Zacharias. The story is recorded in Luke's Gospel. It is a fairly long passage. I am not going to read it all at once. Let me first read to you the first part of the story, which gives us the background, the occasion, the incident, the promise, and Zacharias' response. If you would please turn with me to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 
through 25. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. I am reading the English Standard Version. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, for he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the to the wisdom of the just, to, take, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah. And they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, He was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. 
Will you pray with me? Our Lord Jesus Christ, with great joy, we adore you. You are the promised offspring of the woman. You are the reason of this season. You are God with us. Lord Jesus, you came, therefore, we await no more. It is our prayer that the busyness of this season will not crowd out our longings for you. Prepare in our hearts during this Advent season for the coming of Christ. Make the good news of the Advent afresh with wonder and joy in our hearts. We pray in your holy and precious name. Amen. The night, the dawn, the, the night before dawn is always long and dark. It doesn't always feel so in South Florida. Some of you not know that my wife Lynn and I used to live in Canada for, for many years um, before moving to Florida. There were a few years in my life that I had to go to work really, really early in the morning, in winters. The night before dawn was really long and dark, really cold and depressing. Just like what was experienced by the Israelites. For 400 years, God was silent. There was no prophet, no oracle, no message from the angel, no vision. The night before dawn was so dark and so long. Until in the days of Herod, to a priest named Zechariah, God spoke. God spoke through an angel concerning the coming of Messiah. This is the story we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the story in four parts. Dawn breaks out of darkness. Answer given to prayer. Disbelief in angel's promise and praise of God's faithfulness. We're going to look at each part of the story, focusing on God's promise and Zechariah's change of heart. In this sermon, let me take you back into this narrative to experience what Zechariah and the rest of the Jews faced on this day of dawn. Part number one, dawn breaks out of darkness. The Old Testament Bible closes with the oracle of the prophet Malachi. In the last chapter of the book of Malachi, the prophet assured those who loved God that the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. When Zechariah heard the angel speaking, over 400 years had passed since Malachi uttered such prophecy. 
However, the long dark night was about to experience the breaking of the dawn when the angel announced, "Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah." Though four hundred years apart, it seems that the message the angel gave was a continuation of the oracle of Malachi. God was going to fulfill His promise. However, no one was expecting it, since it had been so long since God lastly spoke. It is a great plan. Laid in eternal past, now began to activate. Angels were busy preparing for the dawn. The long darkness was about to be bro- broken, and the light came into the life of an ordinary priest couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Part number two: answer given to prayer. Zechariah was an ordinary priest, one of eight thousand living at his time. The priests were divided according to the arrangement first instituted a, a thousand years earlier under King David, and later reconstituted as twenty-four divisions after the Babylonian captivity. Zechariah was a priest in the division. Of Abijah, Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, was also of a priestly descent. She was from the daughters of Aaron, the great high priest, and she shared the same name, Elizabeth, as Aaron's wife. In verse six, the scripture told us about their life, and they were both righteous before God. Walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, they were righteous people. However, there was this one sorrow in their life that disappointed them in their marriage. The couple had not been able to have any children. Luke continues to to write in verse seven. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. In many cultures, infertility is an aching disappointment. In some, it bears a burden almost unbearable. But. The burden cannot be compared to that of a childless woman in ancient Hebrew culture, which considered barrenness a disgrace, even a punishment from God Himself. Especially as Luke told us, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were both advanced in their years. There seemed no hope whatsoever. They were getting old. They had no children. 
It was expected that the worn hands of this righteous couple would never be able to hold a child of their own. This elderly couple did not know that the dawn was about to break. Their prayer was about to be answered. Zechariah, Luke told us, was selected by Lot to enter the temple to offer incense. Many of you might not realize this. Entering a temple is a tremendous honor for an ordinary priest. As I just said, there were about 8,000 of them, 8,000 of them at that time. Therefore, many of the priests would never have such privilege to enter the temple and burn incense for their entire life of service. And the Mishnah forbids any priest to offer more than once in his lifetime. However, Zechariah was chosen. He was chosen by God, and he went in. He was in this, in the heart of the gleaming temple, while the other priests and Jews were waiting and praying outside. Along with his prayer, Zechariah also offered the burning of incense. Suddenly, according to verses 11 and 12, there appeared to him an angel, the angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. As fearful as Zechariah could ever be, the angel uttered the words of comfort. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Our initial and probably most natural interpretation of the angel's words would be, finally, God was going to give him a son. Finally, God heard their prayer. God was going to give them a son because they prayed for a son. They must have asked for a son for so many times. God was going to answer their prayer by giving them a son. However, the verb tense used here seems to suggest a different interpretation. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. The verb tense here indicates that it was a prayer that you just prayed was going to be heard, has been heard. The prayer that Zechariah just offered had been heard. It is unlikely that Zechariah was praying, asking for a son while he was selected to pray for the nation. He was in the temple, after all, to pray for the country. Given his later incomprehension and his disbelief when told of the coming of his son, it is more probable that Zechariah 
was praying for the redemption of Israel. How God was going to answer his prayer for the nation by giving him a son. He would never dreamed that his having a son would be the beginning of the answer to his prayer for the nation. He would never have dreamed that God was going to break the long and dark night by announcing that he and Elizabeth were going to have a son. Part number three, disbelief in angel's promise. The angel made the, uh, made the announcement very clear. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. The name John, Johanna, means God has been gracious or God has shown favor. This is a no random name. The logic is obvious in the reading of the Septuagint rendering of the word prayer. Zechariah just offered a prayer of favor on behalf of his nation. And God answered his prayer by giving him a son and naming his son John, which literally means a favor shown by God. Let us take another look of Zechariah's name. The name Zechariah means the Lord has remembered. This name in Zechariah's case proved to be fittingly prophetic as God indeed remembered. He remembered his promise for seven, for 400 years. However, it also bears great irony in the name Zechariah. God has remembered when we consider Zechariah's response. Zechariah, in the temple, prayed for the redemption of his people, and the angel announced, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear your son, and you shall call his name John. It may seem like the world has stopped spinning as the angel silently awaited Zachariah's response. How shall I know this? Zechariah responded with woeful disbelief. He said to the angel, For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Zechariah doubted. He responded to the good news of God with skepticism. He demanded for more evidence. How shall I know this? He denied God's power by putting God in the same league of mere men. For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. That was Zechariah's response. Not many verses before, 
Luke told us that Zechariah was a righteous man. He was a priest, after all. He was well acquainted with the scriptures and knew all about God's power. He knew that God had done it before. In the births of Isaac and Samuel, a minute ago, he was praying for God's favor as a selected priest for the nation. Yet, when God showed favor to him, he doubted. After all, he was facing an angel, speaking to him in human language. Yet, he responded with skepticism. He should have never responded in that way. To his doubt, the angel reacted decisively. Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. The penalty of Zacharias' unbelief was well fitted to the offense. It was his tongue that uttered the words of disbelief. And it was also his tongue that was struck speechless. For nine months, this aged priest remained silent until God turned his tongue into praise. Final part, part number four, praise of God's faithfulness. Normally, it does not take long for a priest to offer incense. Customarily, the priest would come out from the temple and pronounce a benediction to the waiting crowd. However, Zechariah was delayed. He was delayed in his return. He was also delayed in his pronouncement of benediction, for he was struck mute by the angel. Zechariah's benediction was delayed for nine months until the day that his son was circumcised and Zechariah's mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. Let us hear what Zechariah said after nine months of silence. Luke chapter 1, verses 57 through 80. And his father Zechariah, sorry, 57. Now the, ta- now the time came for, Ze- for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name, And they made signs to his father 
inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God, and fear came on all their neighbors. And these things, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea, and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And that child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Clearly, Zechariah had plenty of time to reflect on his situation and to contemplate what he was going to say. Unlike last time, when he spoke with unbelief to the angel, nine months later, he was filled with the Holy Spirit as he spoke with faith and praise. It was a delayed benediction, one filled with joy and praise. Traditionally, this hymn is called Benedictus because of the opening line, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, was rendered in the Vulgate, Benedictus Dominus Deus Israel. It is a carefully crafted hymn, one delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is intensely theological with one single theme, praising God's faithfulness. Some scholars have detected as many as 33 possible Old Testament allusions and quotations in this one hymn. 
the hymn has one single theme, praising God's faithfulness. Zechariah praised God for his faithfulness in keeping of his covenant to David. Zechariah praised God for his faithfulness in, in keeping of his covenant to Abraham. Zechariah praised God for his faithfulness in keeping his promise to Zechariah by giving him a son, John. Zechariah praised God for his faithfulness in keeping of his promise to Malachi. Surely, here comes the sunrise. At the beginning of the sermon, I reminded you that the Old Testament ended with the assurance of Malachi. Malachi said, The Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing on his wings. This long night of waiting was almost coming to an end. The closing line of Zechariah's hymn says, The sunrise shall visit us from on high. The Benedictus was a beam of light coming from the messianic sunlight which will soon break from the horizon. The sunrise was finally at its advent. Zechariah's initial response to God's good news was skepticism. Many people today, religious or not, respond to the birth of Christ in the same way. Skepticism is one of the defining characteristics of this postmodern world. Here, I'm not only talking about secular skeptics who have no religious background. I'm talking about all of us. Many religious people, churchgoers, when faced with a topic like the virgin birth of Mary, God became man, find ourselves just as skeptical as Zechariah ever was. We might not want to admit it. If we carefully examine our hearts, if we look closely to our holiday schedules, our holiday spendings, it is clear that our hearts in our hearts, the wonder of the birth of Jesus needs to overcome the empty busyness of this season. Nevertheless, God's punishment to Zechariah was not only punitive, but also remedial. His doubt was replaced by faith. Cynicism by praise. His heart was full of the wonder of the coming of the sunrise. His praise was deeply grounded in the faithfulness of our God. The true meaning of Christmas is that we see the faithfulness of our God, knowing that we can trust Him to fulfill all His promise even the ones that have not been fulfilled yet. Tis the season. 
the season that we renew our trust in the faithfulness of our God. God was faithful to Abraham, to David, to Zechariah. He's also faithful unto us. He still remembers his covenant. He still forgives sins. He still gives light to those who sit in darkness. He still guides our feet into the way of peace. Jesus' words are penetratingly clear. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Do you believe in him? In this Advent, would you want to prepare in your heart room for him? Do you desire to see the sunrise? Not only the sun that breaks the darkness, but the sun, the son of God, that rises with glory in your hearts. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for remembering us. We are faithless, but you are faithful. Turn our doubt into faith, skepticism into praise. So that in this Advent, we may be filled with the wonder and joy of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And in his name and for his sake we pray.